the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. And... Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Sake On Air podcast. I'm one of the Sake On Air hosts, Christopher Pellegrini, and I am recording today over the internet with a very good friend of mine who I'll introduce in a moment. And today we're going to talk about serving styles in the shochu and awamori universe. And this means the different ways that you can enjoy these drinks, how people in Japan serve them and drink them, and how easy they will be, hopefully, to work into your routine at home on the weekend. Anyways, let me introduce our special guest for today, and he has been on the show before in both both episodes 14 and 26, if you want to go back on the sakeonair.com website and give those a listen. Allow me to introduce Mr. Stephen Lyman. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Christopher. Thank you for having me back. Pleasure is totally mine. And before we continue our conversation, let me introduce you formally, even though most people are going to know who you are anyway. But uh, Stephen is based in Fukuoka, Japan, and he's the author of the James Beard-nominated The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks. He's the co-host of the Japan Distilled Podcast, and he's also currently producing a shochu documentary film called The Spirit of Japan. In order to understand these drinks more deeply, Stephen has worked at Yamato Zakura Distillery in Kagoshima every autumn since 2013. He also consults with shochu makers and Japanese government entities in order to help expand global awareness of these drinks. In 2015, Stephen was designated a shochu and awamori ambassador through the Japanese cabinet office. Stephen is also a judge for the Tokyo Whiskey and Spirits competition. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. That's Fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, again, welcome. And when is that documentary coming out? We are hoping to have it in festivals next year for the next festival season. Fantastic. Corona gave us a little extra time to get the edit right. Our director, uh, Joseph Overby, is American and speaks zero Japanese. And finding a bilingual editor proved quite challenging. And then it's been workshopped in New York City uh, documentary circles. And I think, I think it's going to be quite, quite an interesting movie when all is said and done. Although, who knows? I haven't seen a cut of it in a while. It, when did, this was started quite a while ago. We filmed on location at Yamato Zakura in 2017 and 2018. It really tells the story of that distillery and the family that runs it. It's a very small family-run distillery, the Wakamatsu family in Ichiki, Kagoshima. And the transition in essentially control of the distillery between the father, who was the previous generation Toji, and his son, Tekan Wakamatsu, who is now the Toji. And I really think it'll be more of almost a, a family drama than like how to make shochu. So really excited about how it's yeah, going to Yeah, I'm out. stoked as well. That That's going to be such a boon for the entire shochu industry and people who are trying to get into the category. So it's massive asset. Uh, anyway, we are, as I said at the top, going to be talking about some of the major serving styles here in Japan, the way that people 
serve and drink these drinks on a daily basis and also serving styles that we think might have some traction overseas. And I think that can be summarized as straight or neat on the rocks and then with dilution of, of one form or another. Is that maybe a good way to categorize things? I think that is. And I, I think this is a key episode for the understanding of, of these drinks for the audience. Since sake and air is primarily a sake-focused podcast, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are more sake-focused, sake really isn't diluted for the most part. I mean, it's diluted at the brewery before bottling uh, from a Genshu, usually you know, from you know, what, 19, 20% alcohol down to whatever they feel like is the right dilution. But you really don't add water. You don't necessarily add ice, although that's changing a little bit. There are a few styles now that are being served mm -hmm. on the rocks. But for the most part, you're drinking sake straight, and then you're varying the temperature. But shochu and awamori are different animals, right? These are distilled spirits, so they tend to be higher proof. And dilution is sometimes necessary in order to really have the drinks express the way that, that they express best. And they also, as I'm sure you and the listeners are aware, in Japan, drinking and eating go right. hand in hand. It's really, really uncommon to find a bar that does not serve food. So if you want to have shochu with your food, the shochu can't be too strong. It shouldn't overpower the food and dilution helps you get there. So I think that's why it's, it's common here in Japan for dilution to happen, but also setting context for the listeners why this is an important distinction between shochu Awamori yeah, and absolutely. Sake. And I think it's one of those really hard, I think it's a barrier to entry, honestly, for shochu and awamori, since people are aware, in some cases, they're aware that they're spirits, they are distilled, but it's a medium level ABV. We're talking generally 25 to 30, 30 maybe 35% ABV, mostly on the lower end of that spectrum. And a lot of people are going to be unsure how to approach the drinks. How do they, how are they enjoyed in Japan? And I think that's the best thing we can offer people is that really authentic explanation. And then wherever you are in the world and you listen to this information, you can take it and you can run with it in your own way. Uh, one thing that is perhaps also confusing for a lot of people is that shochu and awamori can be enjoyed in so many different manners that it's hard for mm -hmm. people to wrap their heads around. So we'll stick to some of the most common types on this show. And I don't think there's a better place to start than serving it neat or serving it straight, no dilution. Right. And this is actually not as common as a lot of people might expect. Spirits drinkers, people who love their scotch, who love their mezcal, you're, you're certainly accustomed to trying it straight, but that doesn't happen automatically. Or most people don't think of that as the first choice for awamori and shochu. Am I right? That's right. Most shochu is essentially created with the intention of dilution, with the expectation of dilution, because dilution is almost ubiquitous. It's really uncommon to find a shochu that's designed to be served straight. I think some of the genshu or undiluted shochu are certainly uh, angling toward that whiskey or mezcal experience. Mm -hmm. So those could be enjoyed straight. But for the most part, a 20, 25, 30, 35% shochu is intended for dilution to get it back down to probably around a wine or a sake strength to enjoy with food. Now, something other else to consider is when you're trying something straight, 
or a shochu that's intended to be uh, enjoyed straight is probably going to be something that's been aged. Sure. Right? It's got some time on it. So whether it's aged in a cask or it's aged in ceramic pots uh, or even an enamel lined tank, those aged shochu with a little bit of oxidization or awamori, we should definitely yeah. talk about awamori. Uh, long aged awamori is absolutely intended to be enjoyed straight. That's a traditional serving style. You're served uh, this carafe with tiny little thimbles that you enjoy that uh, kusu or aged awamori out of. And it would be criminal mm -hmm. to dilute that because it's just so rich and, and delicious. Yeah, I think of expensive drinks when I think of drinking shochu and awamori straight. Obviously, kusu, as you mentioned, kusu for the, the uninitiated is the Okinawan pronunciation of koshu, which most sake fans will understand is aged or matured. Uh, kusu is pricey. And as Stephen said, it is often enjoyed communally pouring out of pouring into these little cups. And it's divine. It's a really special experience. And, and that's what I think of when I think of drinking these spirits straight. For shochu, I often think of a cask aged barley, perhaps, mm -hmm. you know, that comes to mind when I think of something that I would want to enjoy after dinner, maybe on its own, something closer to 40% alcohol, which honestly, and if you've been listening to any other podcasts or any other, or reading any books about shochu and awamori, you know that most shochu coming off the still is really only just below or just above 40%. So there's not all that much product on the market at that pure or like still strength form factor. That's right. I think really when you when you put it in a cask, it really doesn't matter whether it's barley, rice, sweet potato, kokuto, right? If it's a, if it's a genshu, it's if it's undiluted and it's been cask aged, that's probably going to play really nicely straight. Yeah, that's generally. True. As drinking it neat is not so common, let's talk about something that's a lot more common and that might be of course rocks yep i think for many people in japan rocks is a standard or default way to drink shochu especially uh outside of kyushu in outside of kyushu shochu and awamori tend to be enjoyed cold uh rather than heated which we'll get into that uh, in a few minutes but on the rocks is a really common style especially in an izakaya setting, you're you're drinking a bottle, sharing a bottle with your friends right. over dinner, and you're just throwing them back. But these are almost always a 20 or 25% alcohol shochu. So once the, the ice melts a little bit, you're getting down pretty close to a wine strength when you're when you're enjoying it on the rocks, unless you're drinking it quickly, in which case you don't get much dilution and be careful. Yeah, sure. Fire beware. So what does the what does the cool temperature obviously in the bottle most people don't put the bottles in the fridge because it's a spirit you can of course you can refrigerate mm -hmm. shochu you can keep it cold but you don't need to what does the cold temperature do to the room temperature spirit sure typically with almost anything you chill as far as beverages go you're going to mute flavors and aromas you're going to accentuate more bitter or dry qualities mm. And so there are some shochu that absolutely do not play well on the rocks. Mm -hmm. They they end up being bitter or just too dry, almost bone dry. And that's not really how you want to enjoy them. And so 
but there are others that are plenty sweet on their own. And so when you put it on the rocks, you might dull the sweetness a little bit, but you're still going to get quite a bit of nice sweet flavor. Right. Just as you would not drink a Coca-Cola at room temperature because it would be too cloyingly sweet. Sometimes that works. Not obviously shochu is never going to be nearly not even the same, you know, not even the same block in terms of sweetness as Coca-Cola or other soft drinks. But it there are certainly expressions that have a fair fruity note to it or almost a candied note to it. So that could play mm-hmm. well with ice. And that's how that's often a default, as you said, izakaya staple sure. on the rocks. It's it's also why we make lager beers ice cold. A lot of a sure. lot of a lot of a lot of beers don't don't taste very good at room temperature. You're, you're absolutely so you, correct. You chill them down and and then they they go down easy. So while we're talking about cold serves, what else you got? So I guess, and this is relatively recent in Japan, but it's it's become an absolute boom. Is the highball, mm-hmm. or in Japanese, often we would say soda wadi. So cut with soda, and this is basically sparkling water and shochu along with ice. And so when you're in an izakaya, for example, you can order, if you're ordering a bottle, the staff is going to ask you how you would like to drink it. Mm-hmm. And so you would say soda wadi setto, right? You want, you want a set that would include ice and soda along with the bottle. And then you can build your own drinks there at the table. And soda is really fun for shochu, I think, because the effervescence really brightens it often. Mm-hmm. And it can make it really, really just accentuate aromas, accentuate flavors. And of course, it's super refreshing with bubbles. And so that's actually for me, especially in summertime when it's when it gets hot and humid, as it is currently in Japan, mm-hmm. I really almost default to soda with, with a lot of shochu. Now, there are many shochu that don't play well with soda. They, they again, they might get too bitter. They might, it might mask flavor. It might really not um, accentuate the character of the shochu that you really want to express. Uh-huh. And I find this actually quite common in awamori. Awamori often, the, the beautiful character of those drinks is it almost disappears with soda sometimes. So you have to be really careful which awamori you, you dilute with soda. But that's part of the exploration. That's part of the fun. Because you'll never know which dilution style or which service style you like with a specific brand until you play around with it. So if you're guiding someone as to how to prepare a shochu highball or what might be called in Japan a chuhai, except for maybe we'll, we'll forgo, forgo any of the citrus additives, in this case, just shochu and, <laughs> and sparkling water or seltzer, whatever you want to call it, how would mm-hmm. you make it? Obviously, I know it depends on the brand that you're using, but generally you, you want to get the glass cold. Uh, so add the ice first, maybe stir it a little bit. And then uh, if you're not being too precious, you don't need to drain that ice melt off. But uh, in an izakaya setting, you'd never see somebody doing that. But uh, you then would add the shochu. And typically, it really depends on how strong you want it. Uh, a standard dilution is usually about 50-50 because remember, these are usually 25% alcohol. So if you dilute it beyond 50-50, the spirit's going to disappear. If you like a whiskey highball is often, I think, one part whiskey to three or four parts soda, because that's about a 40 to 45% spirit. So it can withstand more dilution. But you take a shochu down to only a quarter of what's in the glass, and you may not taste much of anything, especially with like a vacuum distilled barley or rice shochu. Mm -hmm. 
those almost taste like seltzer water if you dilute too much, uh-huh. right? Uh, so, but that's how I would do it. I would do a 50-50 mix in a chilled glass full of ice, uh, half shochu, half soda. You don't really want to stir it because you want to keep the carbonation. Sure. So you might just take the swizzle or a spoon and just kind of give it a little tug or a half turn or something like that just to get a little bit of uh, blending. But yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really nice drink. What are some of your favorite shochu ingredients to mix or how, yeah. making a soda? What do you, what do you often gravitate to? I, I really like uh, using soda with the vacuum distilled barley and rice, as I mentioned before, because they tend to have uh, sort of fruity floral aromas. They're really bright to right. begin with. They tend to be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to lose sort of the rich, unctuous, earthy character that you get in a atmospheric distilled awamori or sweet potato shochu. Okay. And, and the other uh, style that I think plays really well with soda is, is the uh, aromatic styles. Uh, green tea shochu, shiso shochu. Mm-hmm. Um, if when they're more in that uh, on that side of the spectrum, I don't think something like uh, sesame shochu would necessarily play that well with soda. But I guess sort of the green leafy styles, right? Green tea okay. shiso might might play well with soda. What about sweet potato? It, well, that's a yeah. So sweet potato, absolutely. I would say probably stick with white koji sweet potato shochu, and and something that's on the lighter, fruitier side. So something that would run from sort of middle of the road to really fruity and bright. The other side of that spectrum, when you get into like really deep, rich flavors, again, I think you just, you're, you're, you're sort of ruining the drink with, with soda. Yeah, fair enough. It's kind of like you wouldn't, you wouldn't mix a, a really good scotch into a highball, right? Or, Speak for or, yourself. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more along the lines in terms of sweet potato shochu, and you kind of alluded to this, but if you're going more red or purple sweet potato, that can often be really interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great call. Yeah, maybe less so Kogane Sengan, although Kogane Sengan can work sometimes. mm, Sometimes. Yeah. I think it depends on the yeast they use and that sort of thing, but that's probably going a little bit too far along. Yeah. Nerd alert. Okay. Um, all right. What what else do we have? So we've we've just done any other cold serves? Yeah. So we brought up soda first, I think, because that's easier for people to understand. And also because that's extremely popular in Japan right now. Everyone's drinking everything with soda when it comes to uh, spirits. Because you've got the whiskey highball, you've got the gin sonic, you've got all these all these drinks right now that are, yeah. that are served with bubbles. But the classic style of dilution is actually mizuwadi. So that's dilution with water. So again, on the rocks or with ice plus water, and again, about a 50-50 dilution, this was the classic serve for cold shochu in an izakaya setting. You would get a mizuwadi set instead of a sodawadi set. And I like this serve quite a bit with styles that don't express well with soda because sometimes the bubbles kind of mess things up a little bit mm. with how the flavors and aromas express, but water almost never does. If you get the proportions right, it can be a really, really nice way to drink it. And that's actually the primary service style for non-aged awamori. So something that's not a kusu awamori. These are usually around 30% alcohol. In Okinawa, everyone's drinking the mizuwari. Yeah, it's so, really common. And, and it's, a, it's such a refreshing drink. It's really, really nice. And what I like about the mizuwari serve is... In an izakaya setting, you're hanging out with your friends, you're talking, you're eating, you're drinking. 
you're not necessarily paying attention. Am I drinking enough water? Right. Am I hydrating enough? Mm -hmm. But you've, you've put your hydration in your drink. Right. So it's yeah. not like just pounding rocks glasses of shochu. You've diluted a 25% shochu down to 12%. The ice melts, you're down to 9, 10%. Yeah. It's like a very mild wine, isn't it? In that sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for me, the Mizuari, and, and this is what I'll do is I'll normally, when I'm uh, trying a new shochu, I think about what is the service style that I'm going to enjoy. And I'll always start with straight. And I usually will go to rocks. And then my third is usually bubbles. See if it plays well with soda. And if it doesn't play well with soda, then I try a mizuwari. So cut with water. Um, because I just feel like one of those service styles is going to work with that drink most of the time. There's very few shochu that won't be a nice way to enjoy them in, in any of those service styles. Yeah, you're right. Something's going to work there. Does the, mm -hmm. does the water do something to the flavor? I don't think so. Not at the start. I think when you've diluted, you're really just diluting. But, and you know, when, when you add water to whiskey, like you do a splash of water in a scotch, it opens it up. Right. But a lot of scotch is 43% alcohol or higher. Sure. So with, with shochu, unless you're diluted, unless you're doing mizuwari with a, with a genshu, you're not really opening anything up. That was done at the distillery. Mm-hmm. Right. It was diluted at the distillery to 25% or so. So I don't think you're really doing anything as far as opening up the drink by adding water. I think you're mellowing the drink. I see. That's, that, that's my feeling on that. The reason I said at first is you can add water before service, right? In something that's usually, this is usually something that an izakai would have is something called maiwadi, oh, sure. which is a Right. They'll, they'll dilute it 24 hours to maybe a week before service. And there actually is, as I understand it, some sort of chemical reaction between the water and the shochu. They really blend beautifully. And you end up with a drink that's elevated over simply serving at Mizuwari. Okay. But you virtually never find that outside of Japan. No, you do not. And it, it takes time and it takes consideration and it takes big earthenware pots sometimes. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's very interesting. So it kind of leads me to my next question is you, you mentioned how the distillery will dilute from the still strength. So straight off the still, which for a sweet potato show you might be between 36 to 38%. And they're going to dilute down to tech, uh, typically 25%, right? So mm -hmm. that's a whole lot of dilution, is it not? There's We're going from 38 to 25. And then again, the end user, the consumer is going to dilute further. What, let's um let's talk about the first dilution since you already talked about this the consumer side dilution. Why are distilleries diluting the shochu and awamori down from its still strength? Tax. It's completely tax driven. the The tax structure is is such that it's there's a graduated uh, taxation based on the alcohol strength of the drink, and that starts a steep incline above twenty five percent. Am I allowed to say that as an answer? Absolutely. I think that's the perfect answer. I don't know why that answer doesn't apply to beer in this country. I don't know. I guess maybe spirits are taxed under a different regime. They are. It's a smarter regime, I think. For Until relatively recently, I would say in the last 30, 40 years, shochu is routinely 30 or 35% alcohol. When you find older bottlings in, in secondhand shops or you see them, you know, old photos and things, they're often higher. They're more than 25% alcohol. 
and it, it's more recent that 25% has become more standard. And, and in Miyazaki no Ita, it's 20% is the standard. Right. So even more diluted. Right. Very uh, concrete and easy to understand answer. So that was, that, uh, I, I think we can move on from there. So we're, we're talking traditional styles, Mizuwaji. What's another traditional style? And I know you, you know what I'm thinking about because it's my favorite style. What's the last one? Oyuwari. Oyuwari. <laughs> Mizu is water or generally cold water, and Oyuwari is hot water. And Christopher, I'm going to let you walk people through this one because this is your jam. <laughs> well, this is a, a, another dilution style that is old as the hills. More recently, I guess within the past three or four decades, a particular ratio of blending hot water with the shochu was popularized. Uh, it was called rokuyong or 6-4. In other words, three parts shochu to two parts hot water or vice versa, whatever. I guess some places do it differently. And you, of course, can do it differently as well if you want to venture into the world of oyuwari. Oyuwari is great because it elevates the sweet notes that may be hiding in the shochu. And for sweet potato shochu, that can be a lot of fun. Other styles as well, of course. I use this all the time with sweet potato shochu. There are certainly styles that are already too fruity that I will avoid and sweet potato styles that are made with a yellow koji that I don't think oftentimes don't play quite as well with heat. But generally speaking, this can be a lovely way to enjoy the drink. And it's made a little bit like this. You pour hot water into a clay vessel, whatever you're going to drink out of. It can be any type of cup. There's not a pretentious bone in shochu's body. You really can't drink it out of almost anything, but make sure that if it's glass, it's tempered so it doesn't crack. And you wait until it's down to about I have 60 degrees Celsius. So what what's that going to be? It's 150 roughly degrees Fahrenheit. And it's still pr plenty warm. But you don't want it to be much, you don't want it to get too much hotter than that because then the alcohol will evaporate when you introduce the shochu. And yes, the shochu is poured second. You pour it in there nice and slow. I tend to just go 50-50. Forget that whole rokuyon thing I said before, the 6-4 blend. I go 5-5. Five, five. Let's treat parts out of 10. So five parts shochu and five parts hot water. Hot water's in there first. You add this, the shochu slowly, let it mix by itself. Convection will do the job for you. And then you've got a very nicely aromatic with really interesting sweet aromas and spicy aromas, sometimes earthy, almost conifer-like aromas in other cases, depending on the brand. And I think it's a really exciting and interesting and satisfying way to to drink shochu and awamori. Don't let me leave awamori out. Obviously, it depends on the brand, depends on the alcohol percentage. The alcohol percentage will also affect your dilution. You might go more in the side. You might go more heavy on the hot water. So instead of a, a 6-4 or a 5-5 five, five mix, maybe you go really light on the shochu and you do a 3 and then 7 parts hot water. Feel like this has turned into a math class all of a sudden <laughs> anyways it's a really really cool style that i think everyone should be aware of and try occasionally even if it does seem like a little weird to talk about it in june 
Well, I mean, I see you drinking it all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've got a kettle <laughs> in your in your office That's to, right. to make your hot water shochu. And uh, Christopher did say you add the water first and then you pour the shochu into it. And that will absolutely express the aromas, right? That's really going to accentuate everything and give you a really beautiful bouquet. Some people actually will do the opposite here in mm -hmm. Japan. They will actually put the hot water into the shochu because they want to suppress the aroma. They actually want it to be a milder drink, which I always find interesting because I'm, I think to myself, you're drinking this incredible sweet potato shochu that has these amazing aromas and you want to get rid of that? Yeah. <laughs> I, but I don't understand that. I, I can understand. Yeah. I mean, the other difference, and this is another nerd alert. Sorry, people. But if you add the hot water first, it causes the oyuari mix. Once the shochu, the room temperature shochu is in there as well, it keeps the temperature higher longer. Hmm. Whereas if you add the room temperature shochu to the room temperature glass, that's, and then you add the hot water second, that's going to uh, chill more quickly. Also, it's a little harder to control the temperature of the hot water. Mm -hmm. it's better to have it in the cup first so that you can feel the cup and you can actually get used to touching a a ceramic cup with hot water and even if it's a coffee cup and you can kind of get to know when it's too hot and when you're kind of in the comfort zone or the the sweet mm -hmm. spot but uh be careful yeah. <laughs> it'll, sure. it'll scald your hand if you're not and i i definitely enjoy oyuwadi but for me i'm a very much an, a seasonal oyuwadi drinker i I tend to just get hot very easily generally. And so really it's a winter drink for me. Uh, maybe if it's an un unseasonably chill spring day or uh, I guess in, in autumn, I'm sort of looking forward to it. So I might, you know, have a couple of glasses then, but for the most part, it's something I enjoy in the winter. Just like I really put away the soda for soda wadi in the, in the winter. Right. See. right? That's really much more a summer drink for me. And so, and then I guess I'm sort of doing rocks for the most part uh, or in Mizuwari in, yeah, in the, the spring and fall. But I think, you know, the, the fun thing about shochu is, as you said, there's no pretension, right? There's no perfect serve. There's no rules around it, right? There's times when I feel like people just um, sort of overthink things and they think they have to, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things and i just think in shochu that's not the case yeah i think you're going to find the drink you like and you're going to enjoy it how you enjoy it and that's totally fine there's no reason to think that there's a right or wrong way to drink any of these and it's so just experiment see what you like and you'll be surprised i think at how differently the same shochu will express across these different styles of service yeah that's absolutely true it's a real chameleon shochu and awamori and i think you hit it on the head it really is you find your own way to do it and i think that's going to naturally lend itself to cocktail mixing mm -hmm. yeah i think that's fair and cocktails are very much a western tradition although of course there are amazing cocktail bars in japan but they're that's often true focused on using Western spirits, but I think there's an opportunity for making cocktails from shochu and awamori and getting some really, really interesting expressions as you work with dilution and the other ingredients that you have in your arsenal as a, as a, as a bartender. Last, last year we did the, um, the sake future summit, right? And we had Shingo Golkan 
And Joshi Atone on the show it was actually the first live episode on the first day. We were at SG Club in Shibuya, and they ran us through how to use sweet potato, barley, and rice shochu in cocktail mixing. And I think that's just, they're, they're the tip of the iceberg here. They're obviously, they're innovators and they're leading the charge, but I think we're going to see a lot more from this space very soon. There's already been some really interesting things performed and created in various large cities around the world. So uh, the cocktail scene is going to be a big one, I think, for Shochu. It's going to be very exciting moving forward. Mm-hmm. I, I hope you're right. You got anything else for us? Are there any anything that we're missing in terms of serving styles? Sure. I, I guess the last thing to touch on is, you know, we've only talked about water and ice as things to dilute with, mm-hmm. but Japanese people often dilute with other things. Uh, green tea is actually quite common. I remember the one of the owner bartenders at Uminoye, great little izakaya in New York City. She always drank ocha wadi, right? She was always mixing her shochu with uh, green tea. It was mm. just her style. It didn't matter what shochu, she was. It was always green tea. So uh, that's that's and that's something I've heard people order here in in Japan. Uh, and then of course you could use fruit juices as well, you know, almost getting, that gets more into the Chuhai. You put soda into that and you're in a, in total Chuhai land, yep. but with a very nice shochu as exposed as, as, as opposed to Korui shochu. And then I'd be remiss without mentioning coffee wadi or kohi wadi, which would be dilution with coffee, which has recently become quite popular in Okinawa with awamori. Yeah, that's really and good. It's really good. And with with the younger awamori, which tend to express more of a fruity, bright style before there's some age on them, they really sweeten up the coffee. Hmm. They really, they work, they play well, uh, they play so well together. If you think about how some coffee expresses almost fruit, and then you put a splash of awamori in that, uh, it's really nice. And what you'll see in Okinawa is actually, they'll actually uh, essentially... Uh, put coffee beans in the shochu bottle ah. and let it sit. Right. And then that you get served that on the rocks. That's interesting. Uh, and yeah, that, and then it, it comes out coffee dark, but it tastes like awamori. It's, it's a really uh, interesting style as well. So that's another thing people could play around with at home, get a few bottles of awamori. And well, I guess unless you, <laughs> I said a few bottles, cause I was imagining putting different kinds of coffee beans in them. <laughs> and certainly someone could, <laughs> Someone could play around That's with how this. You guess, would do it. Yes, we understand. Yeah, right. got you. Yep. Yeah, you'd have to be a coffee geek and an awamori geek to, Which to do you that. Are. So, fair. You get a single bottle of awamori, put some coffee beans in it, and see what happens. But let's leave it at that. When you want to make it, when you're in a rush, you know it's it's Sunday brunch, and you need to make something a little more quickly. How would you make it at home? Yeah. It, now, with when I do it, when I'm when I'm having co- coffee wadi, I tend to drink it. Uh, essentially iced coffee with essentially a, a shot of awamori in it. So a standard iced coffee, you know, you know, a tumbler, basically almost a beer pint glass, right? Ice okay. coffee. And then I just, I just top it off with awamori and stir it up a little bit. Cause I don't stir want it to be up. too strong uh-huh. uh, in that setting that the awamori will overpower the coffee pretty quickly. Got it. Well, that's, yeah, that sounds amazing. All right. It's really good. Fantastic. I think this has been a, relatively information packed episode 
I, I'm not surprised necessarily, but I did think we were going to kind of just stick to some of the true basics. We ended up nerding out, uh, geeking out a little bit there, which whatever, I think it's good. Hopefully the folks all around the world have a new appreciation for how simple it is to invite Shochu and Awamori into, into their routine and will start experimenting and sharing what they found, sharing what works for them. And hopefully this becomes more of a thing, not just in Japan. It doesn't need to stay here, right? No, it does not. In fact, it, it needs to leave. <laughs> we, we need more, more shochu and awamori available overseas to help this industry. I mean, they, they've been hurting recently, you know. Um, so the more shochu and awamori are known overseas and are consumed overseas, the better it is for the industry here in Japan. And I think everyone wins. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. This, I think, has become a very educational and entertaining episode. And I had no doubts that it would be. But it's uh, good, to, good to talk to you again, Stephen. And I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Yes, thank you for having me back. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sake on Air, the podcast supported by the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association in Tokyo, Japan. You can find all of the archived episodes on sakeonair.com, as well as looking for the accounts Sake on Air on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to interact with the hosts. Until we meet again on the next episode, from both Stephen and I and the rest of the gang at Sake on Air, a very hearty and heartfelt kampai. Mm-hmm.